What is up, podcast people? Hey, welcome back to Known. If this is your first time with us, a little bit about us. Known is a podcast where we sit down with individuals with a platform, and we talk about the battles and burdens that they faced along the way, hoping to dispel the highlight reel mentality and cultivate an environment of authenticity. This week, I sat down with a guy by the name of Blake Castile. If you don't know Blake, Blake is the founder of a ministry called Respect the Corners. Respect the Corners is a ministry that exists to train coaches to use the avenue of functional fitness to become coaches in the nations. These men and women use the platform to build influence and relationship to bring the gospel to the unreached. The things that they're doing at Respect the Corners is pretty awesome, guys. I'm going to let Blake go ahead and talk to you about that. Not only do we talk about his mission and his ministry, we talk about the fact that he has lost a child, and we talk about some of the other battles that he's had to go through in his life. Blake's an amazing guy. He actually picked me up from the airport when I landed in Dallas, and just we had a great time together. So excited for this episode. I just want to invite you into it. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hey, if you need to have a better week, I bet you would if you picked up some Cody Coffee. Shout out to our sponsors, Cody Coffee. You need to check them out. Use the code KNOWN, K-N-O-W-N, to get 25% off your next bag of coffee. It'll be your favorite. Thank you, guys. Without further ado, let's get to the podcast. But you guys are in Hawaii? Yeah, going to Hawaii, big island. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. So, Blake, this is Blake Castile. Hello. Castile, right? Is that how you pronounce Castile, it? Castile, C-A-S-T-E-E-L. Steel. Very cool. Uh, Blake is one of the founders of Respect the Corners. So for people who are not familiar with Respect the Corners, can you give them a, of course. an update? Yeah. All in, exclusive access uh, to what Respect the Corners is. Respect the Corners is a functional fitness ministry that uses the avenue of functional fitness, specifically um, in the areas of CrossFit. So we train up coaches, and they all get their level ones um, or whatever you know credential needed to be able to be a coach at a CrossFit gym, specifically in other nations. And so we're not actual CrossFit gym, but we um, we train these coaches a little bit more in depth than a two two day seminar. Um, but we mainly train them in uh, in character, in holiness, in Christ likeness, um, and then we make them really good coaches as well. And then we send them to the nations using the avenue. And uh, so we have coaches. Um, in about five different countries, and um, two of which are closed nations, um, actually three of which are closed nations, and so it's an avenue that's given us a, a real opportunity to get into some um, some nations that we wouldn't be able to get into just being a, uh, a worker, an M worker, being a missionary. Um, so it's given us a real, um, you know, platform to, to be able to get in and build relationship and influence with, with people in these mm. specific countries. That's awesome. How long have you guys been rolling? Uh, well, we, so that's a little bit of a, 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 a backstory. We didn't really know we were rolling, um, but we were actually rolling. It was one of those things <laughs> where um, about a year in, you're like, wait a second, something started, and we didn't even know. <laughs> so <clears throat> uh, backstory is I, I, um, I played a couple years of NAIA football and um, actually really hated the working out part. I just loved um, having the ball in my hands. I loved mm. Uh, trying to make plays, but then um, I get recruited as a defensive back, and so that took away all the joy of, <laughs> of football. And so, um, anyways, I, I actually got in a little bit of trouble and actually got kicked out of college, believe it or not, um, which it was probably the best thing that had happened to me up until uh, getting married and then um, the joy of children. But uh, so I got, I got um, 
I didn't work out from the year um, 2000 and I think 2005 um, all the way to 2014. I had no, I played basketball once a week and I played pickup football games um, and then a, a few other um, intramural softball things, you know, so it's a lot of fun, but I didn't do any fitness. And then a, a buddy of mine came over um, about a month before he was getting uh, married and, and we, we, we met him at uh, Youth with a Mission in Kona, which is uh, the world's largest um, uh, missions organization. It's in mm-hmm. every country of the world, and um, it's uh, that's YWAM, right? Yeah, yep. Youth with a Mission YWAM, and um, and he came over and he said, "Hey, come do a workout with me. I'm about to get married. I need the LGN body." And I laughed at him because <laughs> he should have started about a year before, mm-hmm. uh, the <laughs> month before his wedding, you know. And so we go out there and. Um, I'm very competitive. My mind doesn't think outside of. I, I don't know. Even my wife gets upset at me sometimes. She's like, let, just let the kids win. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. And, <laughs> and even now, I'll try to let the kids win. And they're like, Dad, stop letting us win. And just, it's just, I don't know what we've reproduced there. But, <laughs> um, and so he, we went outside and we did a little 10 minute AMRAP thing. And, and uh, you know, I, I beat him. And I'm, so the next day I'm like, Hey, let's go out and do that workout again. And, mm-hmm. and we go back out and do the workout. And we, I beat him again. And I was super sore, but it was, there was something about beating him that I liked. And, <laughs> and it was just real simple. Lord knows it was, it was, a, a, an unbelievably easy workout. Um, and, uh, but really what it, what it did in me was it gave me, um, a, an opportunity to do some fitness that was different than the looking at yourself in the mirror, yeah. isolation, just building yourself up. And, um, and it gave me an opportunity to step into some health and fitness, but even more so gave me an opportunity to begin to d- disciple young men hmm. in a way different than just sitting over a, cu- a cup of coffee or over, over a meal. It gave us, uh, most men, um, you know, really gather around um, a task yeah. and they, they bond around a task. And, you know, that's why you see, you know, young men that are on a sports team their greatest friends are on that sports team because they've had to overcome something together or they've practiced for something together. And so we, uh, in 2014, um, you know, I was, my wife and I were leading what was, what was called the leadership track out in Kona, which was for all of our, our staff that were going to be leading these three month outreaches. Um, they would come in and do this leadership track. So it was your basic, um, leadership training and how to lead, um, teams and, and so they would come and do these, and, and I would, they would ask me to get time, and then they'd start to tell me their stories, and I would start to kind of panic because I just mm-hmm. don't even know how to talk about, you know, um, people's, other, other men's hearts and mm-hmm. different things. Like I didn't know how to connect with guys, and the Lord's since done a lot of work in my life with that, but I needed an avenue to connect. And so this fitness stuff, I, we started doing workouts three days a week in my garage, and there was 20 of them coming, and we were all pitching in 20 bucks a month and buying some equipment as we could. So it started out with squats, push-ups, lunges, um, sit-ups, you know, running, whatever else we could do. And then over time, we started to accrue this equipment. And, hmm. and it became the way that um, we really began to provoke each other towards holiness, towards purity, towards um, the fruit of the Spirit, towards um, Christ-likeness. And, and, and it really turned into something that became a discipleship movement more than it was a... Um, anything to do with fitness. Fitness was just the thing that kind of pulled us together. And then over the course of time, um, we realized that this was a way to to reach people um, in the local Hawaiian community and then also in the nations. I had the privilege of um, getting my my level one about um, 
about five years ago and then immediately after, or four and a half years ago, and immediately after went into a, um, a nation, and Engl- Engl- English isn't the first language, and I ended up, um, was able, with a really great friend of mine, Andy Bird, we, we were in this country, and um, I was, we were doing a workout, and we were doing some muscle-ups, I had taken a pair of rings, and, and um, these four guys from, you know, th- that were native to this country, I just, I'm not saying the name of the country, because it's mm-hmm. a closed nation, yeah. and, um, and uh, they were watching us, and after our workout, we, we invited them over, and I, I started showing them how to do muscle-ups, because hmm. um, I just learned how to do strict muscle-ups and how to coach it, <clears throat> and um, taught two of the guys how to do strict muscle-ups. And so we looked at it and went, wow, this, this exceeds a language barrier. Yeah. This gives an opportunity to give a, give a guy a chance to do something he couldn't do before. And, and if we think about it, that's what we're doing as men in general. If we really understand the Great Commission, we're giving you know, young men and women an opportunity to do something they they never done before, and that's to walk in freedom, to walk in his likeness, to walk in the presence of the Lord, and to understand that he's the only way to the Father, these different things. And we started to realize this is an opportunity to to, to establish a, a ministry that specifically gets people in using this avenue. Mm. So it's quite a, quite an, I, I, you know, people have gotten a little bit upset with me for calling it this, but it was just a, a holy accident, you know, mm. but it like the Lord doesn't have accidents, but I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah, so, I was gonna ask because, like, I mean, basically, where you guys are at now. Did you ever see that you guys would be where you were at now? Because it, it sounds almost like it was like, I mean, you, you use the word accident. It's like kind of you stumbled into this, like, oh, this is something, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and we have momentum. Let's run. Um, what is it like? How did that come about? To now, you're having like kids come from the states and stuff that are now being trained in your your facilities, yeah. and they're doing all these things. It sounds like it started as like let's reach Hawaii or let's use Hawaiians and then do that, and then now you have kids like I mean, we have our mutual friend Josh, yeah, who's from Colorado that came down and did yeah, it. Shout out Josh, yeah, Gregory, Joshua, Gregory, <laughs> about to get married. Oh, the man. Oh, yeah, we're believing for it. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Josh just did our. Uh, respect the corners DTS, and he's he's re- he's. Hopefully, if I say it on here, he'll he'll actually do it. He's he's praying about coming back to Kona and helping us out with some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully, he, he does it so that people don't listen to this two years down the road and um, <laughs> hold it against him. But uh, prophetically speaking, yeah, 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 we can be prophetic there. But um, um, no, uh, so actually, no, we we um. I got in, I started doing the, the, the functional fitness stuff and it was all in my garage. So it wasn't CrossFit, you know, technically. And, um, and I saw that there was a local competition in Kona and, um, Kona is a very small town. I, I, well, not very small. 9,000 is very small, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, this it's probably 25, 30,000. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I had done, I hadn't even I hadn't even done a, a lot of the workouts that were actually in this competition. I'd never done handstand walks. I'd never done rope climbs because it, it was just in my garage. Mm-hmm. So I found out about it, and I'm like, man, I'm, I you know I call my wife because I was in California. I'm like, hey, should I do this competition? She's like, why wouldn't you? You know, it just mm-hmm. makes sense to get to know people through something that you really like to do. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's true. And uh, so I start practicing for. It. I'm like, well, maybe I should just do the scale. And Shannon's like, my, my wife's name Shannon why would you do the scale? <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, there's going to be guys that can, cause it's the, the heavy lifting stuff, you know, that, mm-hmm. that was intimidating to me. And, and she kind of laughed at me. And when she laughs at me, it does something to me to make me want to, um, you know, step up a little bit more. It's a good thing. Not a, not a, 
she's not putting me down. She's kind of laughs because she knows it's silly and she knows I'm going to do the harder thing. And so I do this competition, and um, you know, going into the second day, I was in second place, and um, and you know, I was starting to talk to some local guys, and and then um, the guy that was in first place was super fit, dude. Really, um, actually, didn't really talk to me much that first day. And the morning of the second, the second day, he walks up to me. He's like, "Hey, good job yesterday." And he was, and I was like, "Man, that's like, because it's really, it's interesting at times to get in. You know, I'm what's known as a howley. Um, it's a, a white guy from the mainland coming out to the the islands, and hmm. and they're all these local guys, and and you know, it's 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 one of those things to come in and really earn respect rather than just come in and you know instantly be respected. So. This one, this other local guy walks up to me. He's like, "Oh, you're the guy in, in second place." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm Blake." And I, and he doesn't even he doesn't even say his name back and goes, "Good luck keeping that spot." And he walks out of the door. <laughs> okay. And in my mind, I'm like, "Oh man, this is this is four and a half years ago, so I'm not even near what I am now." Then, mm-hmm. and the Lord's done so much in my life, but that was an opportunity for me to, of course, get get a little bit of fire underneath my my butt to do my best that day. But um, so that that day, though, the workouts unfold and and I won a couple of them and I ended up winning this competition small competition but um the guy that got second who was originally a guy that got in first he walked up to me he was like dude um and after the ceremony the award ceremony and he goes man I really appreciate your humility mm-hmm. and that's when I knew that the Lord had done something in my life that I didn't even know because it's it, what it had established my humility wasn't the fitness because I hadn't been doing it that long my my humility had been established from you know the confession of my sins, the the repentance of my sins, the admitting I was wrong to my wife or to the people we were leading or to my kids. And and it was something that unfolded um, only because of the grace of the Lord. It wasn't anything I could do. And I realized even in those moments that there was still some pride. Yeah. And I mean, still constantly being worked out in my life. But really, it's, all of it started to, that was one of the ways we realized, you know, we need to reach the local community, of course. We need mm-hmm. to be Jesus to these people. Um, and we hold competitions in Kona, uh, two a year, actually, we have one that's called Fitness to Foster, and all the proceeds of that um, of that competition go to foster families in Kona, um, and it's amazing. And the other one's called the Uphill Battle, and that's ran every um, February, and that's uh, to give people an idea of what it feels like to trek Bibles into the Himalayas. And so mm-hmm. we we do treks um, into the Himalayas once a year, or, or, or actually way more often now, but we had been doing them um, once a year, we wanted to give people an idea, you know, because people had established some respect for us. We wanted to give them an idea of what it felt like, how mm. horrible your body felt while trekking these Bibles through the Himalayas, and um, and realistically, that that it just it, it it became something that we were just so unexpected of, mm. you know, and so grateful for. And now the the relationships we have in Kona, Hawaii, are, are our favorite relationships. Um, mm. It's a blessing to to be able to, you know see people saved in Kona and uh, in the big island. We see people, you know, asking us questions like, what do you guys mean by this? You know, the gospel is constantly put in front of them at these competitions and then also the way we live. Um, but realistically, we, Respect the Corner started, you know, like I said, in, in a little bit of an accident, but it really, it, what the first thing it did was it began to establish um, that camaraderie with with these guys and um and then you know my buddy's wife found out she's like hey blake can can we run some women's classes at your house i'm like yeah sure just do it the opposite days so we don't ever have any conflict with uh any of the equipment and and all of a sudden there's 
you know, and on, on my days of coaching these guys, there's 20, 30, 40 people at my, in my garage and <laughs> in my cul-de-sac, and my wife's coming out, and she's like, what is happening? <laughs> and then in the other days, it's 20, 30, 40 women coming in, and I'm walking, I'm like, how does, what is happening? We just have no idea what's unfolding. And we realized the thing that was happening was where people were being fought for, people were being encouraged, and, and, and the, the thing that wasn't being promoted was we weren't promoting fitness as much as we were promoting, okay, like, hey, everybody's here today. We're, after, we're going after some health and some fitness, but is everybody getting in the word? Are they, is everybody honoring women with their eyes? Is, is everybody stepping into a place of, of the fruit of the Spirit and grasping love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth? And it was provoking us spiritually um, as well as, as physically. And, and, um, and so now it's, it's become something that we're seeing Muslims reached, we're seeing Hindus reached, we're mm-hmm. seeing, and so are other organizations and, and mission uh, uh, ministries, but this has become such a way that, because it actually, you, you gain influence when you're a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the most respected people in the world are yours and my football coaches. Yeah. And, and, and coaches around the world, so. Absolutely. So, from the outside looking in, you're a guy who, you're reaching the nations, you have this, this sweet ministry centered around something that you love and that, that you can do. Um, what did, what's your story like leading up to that? I mean, is it, I think from the outside looking in, people think you're in ministry, you got it all together, you know? Yeah, no. Um, what's your story leading into this? Yeah. Uh, what's that look like? I know you said you got kicked off the football team. Yeah, right? yeah. I got um, kicked out of college. Kicked out of college. Yeah. So let's take us back even before college. Okay. What's your walk look like? Oh, what's geez. your life look like? Whatever. Um, yeah, whatever you want yeah, to share. Yeah, no, no, no. That's cool. Uh, I, um, I'm from, uh, the the good old state of Oklahoma. I'm a huge Sooner fan. Um, I I watched. I remember watching the Sooners when I was five six years old when they were no good, and uh, and just falling in love with the sport of football. And I was I'm 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 five foot seven and and I think I was I was I was definitely shorter back then. But I just remember um, always wanting to play football and. And then I found out I was better at, at baseball than I was football, but I enjoyed football more. It was just something about being able to throw the football or, or um, run the football or whatever it was. I, just, I enjoyed being able to make plays. And it's definitely what I found my identity in. And so I was, I was you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was 17. Um, both great people. Mom was a phenomenal mom. Um, the reality is, 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 you know, there's definitely some brokenness in my family, and it was passed on to me quite... Um, intensely but um i um at um at 12 years old i was introduced to um some gnarly um gnarly stuff in this world and and then the 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 addictions began to grow and um and it's something that that just continued to grow even into my marriage you know with um just pornography stuff the the difficulty of overcoming the 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 bondage of sexual stuff you know people say all the time you know or think all the time maybe not say but once i get married everything gets easier and i just every, if anyone listens to this you'll see other people in this known podcast list and you'll want to listen to them first but if you listen to this <laughs> one um just just know that that it, there's there's nothing there's no freedom that marriage will bring that you sh- you can't gain before like it's my wife. My wife doesn't bring me freedom. She didn't bring me freedom. Yeah. My love for her helped, but ultimately everything is found in Jesus Christ crucified. 
sitting at the right hand of the Father, resurrected from the dead, mm-hmm. and, and being helped with the Holy Spirit, the, our helper, our teacher, our advocate. And if we don't obtain those freedoms beforehand, it's not like all of a sudden, I hope this isn't too... No, this, okay, no this keep is, rolling. Okay. You're good. This, it's not like um, all of a sudden being able to have um, marital sex is going to take away all those addictions or all those yeah. difficulties. It's, it's a joke. It's a lie of the enemy. And so... Um, so this stuff was established in my life when I was 12 years old. It started to um, just rip apart my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any of it, but I just realized, you know, the classic case of disrespect of women, um, um, the, the dishonoring of myself, the, um, the, 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 I almost got married to somebody that was not, is not my current wife. And thank God the Lord really um, had a different direction. It was, it was really, I started, to, I started to get a little bit of the fear of the Lord when I was 21 and um, had a couple of really amazing encounters with him that redirected some steps. And, and so um, got kicked out of college. Uh, I have, and that's 2005. And, um, and I, had, um, I had, of course, my mom was always praying for me. And and uh, still does. And and then there was this other woman that that was my youth pastor, but she wanted everybody to start doing this life movement stuff and and praying for the ending of abortion and praying for um, hours in our church a week. And I'm like nobody likes praying, you know. It's <laughs> like we're we're 16 years old, and and I was kind of the instigator of everything, whether it be good or bad. And it was you know just the call of leadership over my life. And 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 these 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 people in the youth group were starting to leave. And I'm like, I don't blame them. You're wanting people to pray. And, and ultimately, I ended up leaving, too, because I just couldn't stand her. She was so stubborn. And, and um, so I go to college, don't talk to her for a long time. And then I get kicked out of college, and she calls me. And she tells me that she's been praying for me and really praying that there would be a, an altering in my life, a real humbling moment, a shift. Mm. And so she, um, I end up moving back to Oklahoma in 2000, early 2007, and she calls me, and she's like, and she says to me, Blake, if you don't get out of Oklahoma, you're going you're gonna to die. It was basically that, um, just more spiritually than anything, maybe physically, maybe literally, I don't know, but spiritually, I was beginning to want to give myself to past addictions and with drugs and with alcohol, but then really falling back into sinful lifestyles with women, and, and then, um, and she funds me to go to what was called The Call. And The Call was um, something that was started by Lou Engle that he would gather thousands of Americans to pray for our country, but specifically the ending of abortion. Hmm. And so I go, and I'm thinking nothing about it. I'm like, I'm just going to go to honor this lady because realistically, like I was starting to have a real life shift, and she was a major part of it. But I get out, uh, I get out to Nashville, call 2007, and there's there's like 60,000 people there. Hmm. And she, this lady kind of convinces me to go do this six-week trip after, this, um, after this, uh, this, this thing called the call. And the call star- this trip started in Kansas, I'm sorry, in Nashville, and then went to a couple of different states and ended in San Francisco. And it, it was the 40-year anniversary of the Summer of Love, which in 1967... Uh, this whole movement of the summer, of, uh, the original summer of love, where um, uh, free love, uh, sex, drugs, all this stuff was invited into our country by so many people in our country, and then there's been constantly these 
repercussions of of the opening door, opening the door to to sin for um, for many of us that have been um, the bearers of that. You know, in some ways or another, like you know, the drug drugs are so prominent still because of that those doors being opened in 1967, and of course several other things. And so, um, so we we were going from Nashville to San Francisco to pray for our country. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was more just like trying to honor this lady. But I start having these moments of I'm, I'm seeing people, you know, praying for the people that don't know Jesus, sharing the gospel, praying for our country, praying for, you know, at the time, President Bush, and praying for, um, um, you know, um, our Senate leaders and praying for the ending of abortion, but still honoring people that were pro-choice. It was a wild moment for me. And because um, I'd only seen the the religious and the... Um, the bondage belt the, or bondage established from the religious spirit, and so um, over those six weeks, so I made I, I made a, a friend who, um, you know, she was a little bit older than me. She's about seven years old, and she was also a single mother. And so she was the leader of the team that I was on um, going across the country, and she was so intense and just always like, "Okay, guys, we gotta get together and we gotta pray for this," and and. I, but at the same time, I just remember looking at her and be like, man, this, this girl is so good looking. <laughs> and man, and I know she's a single mom, and Lord knows I, I don't know what to do with my own self, let alone a relationship, and then if something were to happen. And so long story short, I end up, um, after this summer of love, I go home for two, to Oklahoma for two months and start to kind of fall back into some old ways. I just had no self-control. It was pathetic. And this girl calls me, and she's like, hey, uh, I was just praying for you, actually, and the Lord, you know, just told me you weren't doing well. And I'm like, well, you're right. I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she was was a part of a, a ministry called The Cause that um, was started by Lou Engel as well. And um, it was an intercession ministry, and um, and Lord knows I hated praying, but I knew I needed to get out of Oklahoma. And so I moved out there because some of my really good friends from the Summer of Love tour were there. And long story short... About two months later, um, I guess this this girl thought uh, I was funny enough or um, nice enough, kind enough to start dating me. She was so gracious uh, and still is constantly because she's now my wife. We got married 2008. Now, here's where it gets nuts because... Um, so so about, two, about a year and a half into our marriage, and she, she is... My wife is the most amazing woman in every category. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you right now. I can tell you about <laughs> you know the arguing is he's wanting to argue with me, people, but um, but she is, and so I'm sure your wife's amazing as well. But um, the you know all of a sudden these years of um, dishonoring women and having these this sin in my life, the sexual stuff, the the addiction to these things, the Lord gives me two women to begin to honor. And because I she she was a single mother, this little girl named Shiloh, and um, and we get married 2008, and a year and a half into our marriage, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not free from things. My, she's having to forgive me for the stupidest stuff, and that's when you know, just I begin to realize more and more how Christ-like she is. Hmm. I mean, think about it. I mean, the the most one of the wildest things you can do as a believer and to be to look like Christ is to forgive. Yeah, it's it's the hardest thing to do at times. Mm-hmm. And so she starts reading this book called Is, Is, Is That Really You, God? And it's written by a man named Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of Youth with a Mission. 
And I'm not a reader at, at all. And um, and she's like, hey, I really think you should read this. I'm like, it's going to take me like a year and a half. It's 12 <laughs> chapters, but I'm a slow reader. Um, and uh, so I start reading it, and I start, you know, I'm, I'm more of like, Lord, I don't really want to read this book. I'm having a hard time reading a chapter a day in the Bible. Would you just start speaking to us if we're supposed to do something outside of live in Greensboro, North Carolina? I'm running a window cleaning business and working at a restaurant at nights and barely getting to see my wife. She's pregnant. Or actually, we had just had our little, our second daughter. And, um, and all of a sudden, the Lord starts to do crazy things. And I, 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 I share, this is, this is one of the wildest moments of our life in the area of faith. So we start saying, hey, God, you know, Lauren, you know, in his book writes about Kona and it being the, the, the place the Lord speaks to him about going and establishing a YWAM base, which sounds so ridiculous because it's Hawaii yeah. and it's super hot. It's in the armpit of Hawaii. It's not like it's even nice Hawaii. It's yeah. gnarly Hawaii. Um, but it required a ton of faith. And, and so I started, you know, kind of secretly, not even with my wife, like, hey, God, if you, if you want us to move to Hawaii, you just start kind of paving the way. So um, a few things started happening. I sat down and watched um, this, this little episode of Little Einstein's with my daughter at the time. And all of a sudden, I realized like, uh, that these kids are talking about, all right, we're going to the big island of Hawaii so we can you know, search out this, this spider called the happy spider or the smiley face spider. And then there's only this, it's the only place that these things exist and all these different things. And it was the big island of Hawaii. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, this is, there's something that's just weird. That's weird yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, the, then the next thing, then there's a, there's plenty of things, but then one of the next things was I I, I took my my daughter to Chuck E. Cheese because it was right around the corner from where my wife worked at the time, and and uh, I was that dad that was like, okay, now listen, I know you want to play games, but the most important thing is getting the most amount of tickets that you can so you can get one of these prizes, and if you let me do all the games, <laughs> you'll get more tickets, and I'm just trying to help you out so you get you get a better prize at the end which was totally pathetic, and I don't do that <laughs> as much now. It still happens occasionally, but, but there was this game where um, you throw a football, and there's these different holes that you throw it in, and it, it adds up to a different amount of points. And so there's one that's like a rookie quarterback. And there's one that's uh, you know, a, a veteran quarterback. Then there's the Pro Bowl one, and then there's the Hall of Fame one in, in terms of the scores. And um, so I'm, I'm gunning it. I'm trying to get you know Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Because it's more tickets, and then I actually feel better about myself, <laughs> and um, and so long story short, I you know I I finish and I got in the Pro Bowl um, section of scoring, and all of a sudden the machine goes, "You've gotten to the Pro Bowl. You're going to Hawaii." <laughs> and this silly machine. I look up at the machine. I look at my daughter. I said, "We gotta go right now." I gotta go talk to your mom, you know, and we we leave. I go and tell Shannon. Shannon's like, "There's no way. I, I kid you not. There was nobody else around me. Nobody else said this." Then about a week later, we get a magazine in the mail. It's a AAA magazine. Neither one of us have AAA. Um, and in the magazine, on the front of it, was a fire knife dancer. And those are the guys that have the the fire at the end of the stick, and they're twirling it around. And and the island, and on the front of it, it said. Um, the Big Island of Hawaii, and the name of the magazine was called Go Magazine. Hmm. And so we're we're that was the final straw. We're okay. This is there's so many things the Lord's directing us to, and um, 
at, at, to Kona, Hawaii. And so we go and do this DTS out in Discipleship Training School out in Kona. And, um, and it's called Fire and Fragrance DTS. And there was like 60 students in our DTS. And we, it was awesome. And the Lord gave us some of, like, seriously, still some of our um, closest friends were in that DTS. And, and um, you know, we go on outreach to France and, and uh, the Netherlands to Amsterdam. And it was a little bit of a difficult outreach, except the except when we got to Amsterdam, my, my wife and I fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. You know, you see so much brokenness in the world, and when, you know, so so often, especially me being the guy that was had some the some of the the sexual sins that I had, I would we would we would go into the red light district. I would of course be very careful. I wouldn't go into any specific areas, but the Lord gave my wife and I such a heart, not just for these women. But for these men, because they're broken too. There's the reality is, is Jesus died for them too, and Jesus um, longed f- to reach them too, not just the women in the windows, even though they were the ones exploited and and um, and profited off of. And um, and so we we went home after outreach and we prayed, and the Lord felt like the Lord was supposed to, or it felt like we were supposed to go back. But what was crazy is um, my wife had gotten pregnant on outreach, and this was um, 2011. And we had already had the two little girls. We had Shiloh Grace, who was Shannon's um, daughter um, when she was a single mother. Mm-hmm. And then we had Arrow Perez together. Arrow um, Perez means uh, uh, penetrating force of breakthrough f- for really believing that for her generation. And then um, so she, so we're pregnant again. And we weren't even going to have any more kids yet. But somebody, um, we had a little bit of conviction about a few things. And so we decided to have uh, another child. And so, long. I know this is a lot. Hope we're no, you're hope good. we're new. Okay, Keep okay. Just start giving me hand signals <laughs> if you need. Um, but uh, we had uh, we had moved. I'm sorry. We had decided to move back to Kona to help um, to do uh, the leadership track, and then also to ultimately staff these DTSs in hopes to establish a team that could either move to San Francisco or to Amsterdam. And so we get back September of 2011. And we're just charging forward, you know. We're stoked to to be going into uh, st- staffing um, the Fire and Fragrance School in 2012, and um, and then October, um, my wife is seven and a half, half months pregnant, and we are we're cruising along. We're enjoying, you know. It's a little bit difficult being in, in Hawaii. It's a little bit hot, and um, you know, it's a little bit hard. You know, really learning how certain things are done in ministry and. And all of a sudden, my wife is, is she has like two or three days where the movement of the baby is really intense, mm-hmm. and we're like, of course, you know, this baby's going to be wild, it's going to be overcome, blah, blah blah all this the prophetic spiritual swirl that you can have over a baby in the womb, and then all of a sudden she doesn't feel any moving, mm-hmm. and and so a day goes by, she doesn't feel the baby move, and another day goes by, and she's like, Blake, I, I haven't felt the baby move for about a day and a half now, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, okay, so I call a buddy of mine. Um, because, or she called a friend of hers because they worked at the, um, uh, uh, the, um, where they help um, pregnant mothers, you know, just, mm-hmm. hey, this is a baby, it's a heartbeat, and it's a really, it's an awesome pro-life nonprofit, and I can't remember the name of it, please, I'm sorry, but, so we go in there, and, and the lady does an ultrasound for my wife, and there's no heartbeat, mm-hmm. and so at seven and a half months pregnant, we lose this little girl, Sheesh. and that was 2011, and I'll never forget the hell that we went through for not just the nine hours after because the, the baby was in the room with us. Because honestly, I, 
I, I read the Bible and Jesus says to go lay hands on the sick and heal them. And he goes, he also tells us to go lay hands on the, and raise the dead. And he tells us to go and cast out demons. This is, these are Jesus's words in Matthew 28. And so I'm like, well, this is, this is a great start, I guess, for me to actually lay hands on a dead person. And it's my own daughter, you know, and, and, and I have to watch my wife go through labor and this, and we just get this dead little girl and nothing happens. And so we have to send this little little girl um, to the, the you know the back of the hospital wherever they took her, and I'm just watching my wife weep, hmm. and I'm watching the the our, our, our parents' worst nightmare happen. Yeah, and um, and and so we um, we the next two weeks we were kind of a, somebody had given us some housing off the campus at, at Kona, which we were so grateful for with, uh, and, and then my mother-in-law flew out. We're so grateful for my, every night I'm watching my wife just sob mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm trying to console my two daughters and trying to, you know, Hey, you know, mommy's going to be okay, but I'm, I'm, I have pent up anger towards the Lord. I'm, I can't believe that something like this would happen. You know, all these different qu- questions that are realistic but uh, my buddy Andy comes over, and, and he's, you know, just like, hey, I love you guys. And this is not even a week later. And, you know, we, we had just, he actually um, dug the grave. He and my, my, another really great friend of mine, and then my brother-in-law dug the, the grave for our little girl. We named her Selah Praise. Selah means to pause and to wait, and then um, praise means, you know, we want to praise the Lord still. <laughs> so we're going to, we paused, we, we, you know, we waited and then we decided that no matter what, like we're still going to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to praise Him. And so um, he came over, our buddy Andy came over, and he's talking to us. And he's like, well, I just need to ask you guys, you know, um, are, when are, you gonna, are you guys, do you know when you'll have more children? And my wife, I'll never forget her face. She was like, what the heck is your problem? Yeah. I had that look. And I'm like, dude, you're a jerk, you know, for asking this. Mm-hmm. My wife just lost a baby. I just lost a baby, too. And, you know... A lot of people don't realize the difficulty for a man when something like that happens. You know, we're the protectors. We, you know, we we come around our wives, but then the the reality is, it's it's got an emotional strain mm-hmm. on us as well. I mean, you you you're the so-called protector, but then you're having to hold your wife because you you know your your baby died or your, your kid died or whoever it is and however old they were, and you couldn't protect you couldn't do anything to protect that one. Mm-hmm. You know, and so all the everything your identity is being challenged, and yeah. and so she is. Um, She's looking at him. I'm like, "What are you? Why are you asking that?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, I because he, he, he's our leader, and he wasn't quite a friend yet." And he goes, "Well, because I'm. I mean, if the Lord speaks to you to 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 not have any more children, then that's great." And he said, "But if you make any decisions out of fear, then you'll be in sin." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> "It still didn't. Yeah. It didn't make it feel better, but it was right because the reality is, is it, the enemy could would have won." If, if we had stepped in, because I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to watch my wife have a, another baby and, 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 and no life from it, you know, literally labored in vain. And, and so we, you know, we, we went and we started praying, and, and we didn't necessarily feel anything from the Lord yet, but, um, you know, nature is nature. And six weeks after... Um, my wife ends up getting pregnant again. We didn't know she even could yet. We we were a little bit confused by the doctors and what he said and at the time. And but fear or not, no fear, we we ended up getting pregnant again. 
And a year later, almost a year after we lose this little girl named Selah Praise, the Lord gives us a son. And we have a son now whose name's Brave Benaiah. So it's his name is, is literally brave. So to have courage, to walk in boldness, to have no fear. And his middle name is Benaiah, is built by Yahweh. And, uh, um, and we look, and if we would have done anything, made any decision out of fear, because it could have happened again, um, we wouldn't have this amazing little boy who's, who's like a mini me <laughs> and is unbelievably ridiculous and hilarious but then the most sweet and compassionate. Um, in fact, every time he sees um, my wife and I hugging, he runs over, family hug, family hug, and puts his, <laughs> his head right in between our hips and just loves so much. And we're still feeling the love of the Lord for making the decision to, to or making the decision to, to have more children because hmm. they're a reward, they're a heritage from the Father. And, um, dude, I know this was like a, you said a little bit of backstory, and oh, I've gone into rolling, a, to a lot of wildness here. But and then since you know, you know, we were, we're like, Lord, do you want us to have more kids? And and um, and we keep hearing yes, you know. And uh, eighteen months after my son Brave, we have a little girl named Eliana Victoria. And Eliana in the Hebrew language means God has answered, and Victoria is victory. And um, and the reason we named her that was because because we had had another girl after Selah praise, we felt like this was a full answer from the Lord of victory. Mm-hmm. And so we have this beautiful little blonde hair, blue eyed girl named Eliana Victoria, who is the strongest personality I know. Um, but also the greatest joy, you know, just the, she's such a, a joy to be around. And then, and then, so we were like, Lord, you, you know, you, you're, we believe like we're reading scripture, we're praying, speak to us. And he speaks to us, have more kids. And my wife has this crazy dream of uh, of us having uh, another another child. And four months into that pregnancy, she loses that baby. So in our marriage, we'd actually we've lost three babies. She's lost she lost one in between Arrow uh, and Selah. Then we lost Selah seven and a half months, and then we have Brave. We have Eliana, and then we lose another baby. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. It was actually even more traumatic the way it unfolded than the, the situation with Selah, believe it or not. I'm not going to go into detail. But um, we had another opportunity to be broken. We had another opportunity to question the Lord in, in, um, in his goodness. We had another opportunity to, to think that we don't hear the Lord. We had another opportunity to, to think that, that he wasn't good. All these different things. Yeah, what's your encouragement to people, maybe if they're listening and they've gone through the same thing? Um, just like being that you've walked down that road and that you've gone through that, um, how can you speak to that, to people that might be listening that they have to go through it and the wound is fresh? Let me just say that it is by far the hardest thing that my wife and I have ever gone through. And I'm I'm so grateful, I can say this, I'm so grateful that when we look at Selah, I'm so grateful that we didn't have years with her Mm -hmm. because I couldn't imagine losing a child that I would have really have known. My, it's different from my wife because she was in my wife. But I couldn't imagine having to bury a daughter that was five years old or 15 years old or mm-hmm. however old because of the reality of the, the relationship that unfolds um, from the moment that, that that child is born, the moment that they move in your arms, the moment that they begin to make sound, the moment that they begin to roll over, the moment that they begin to crawl, the moment that they begin to eat solid foods or whatever it is. And then the moments I look at my 13-year-old now, our oldest daughter, 
and we're friends. We're not. I'm not just her dad. We're friends. We're talking about funny situations. We're talking about boys. We're talking about um, how you know. We're talking about how much we both hate math. We're talking about these different things. We're talking about the Lord. She's reading scripture. She's like, Dad, I need to repent to you because in Proverbs it talks about um, a quarreling spirit and arguing, and that's wrong, and it's what evil people do, and I don't want to be evil, so I'm sorry for arguing with you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I forgive you. I'm actually really sorry. I've read that scripture a thousand times, and I still argue with you. Will you forgive (laughs) me too? You know, And she's provoking me to to more of his likeness, and I can't imagine losing that. And so there's there's no there's no the grace is always there to overcome any situation. And if our perspective isn't who Jesus is, then we won't be able to overcome that situation because our perspective on earth, you know, Jesus does say in, in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. But um it, it and it's real, but you look at you look at the history of Christianity and you look at the history of loss, and you read about people being martyred, and 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 you read about the end of Paul's life, and Paul, you know, and even Jesus's life. Like you, like we were talking about earlier, the joy set before me. And if I look at the loss of any of my kids, even though I didn't really know any of them, I held one of them in my hands, in my arms, mm-hmm. even though she was, um, she had died in the womb. If I don't look to the fact that all three of those babies are in heaven right now encountering Jesus. So therefore, they, they, the moment that they were conceived, they became an eternal being. 100%. Mm-hmm. They're eternal beings. So they have a soul, and they, have, they, they are in existence, okay? And if I, if, if I don't have hope in my life, then of course I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I lost a baby, and the grieving doesn't end. But when you have hope in your life and that hope being Jesus Christ, you know that there's something at the end of this road on earth that far exceeds, far exceeds, far exceeds what we have here. And so my wife and I, we share this and we're, you know, it's hard. Of course, there's emotion behind it. But we think about a couple of things, the children that we've had since. And then we think about everything we read in Scripture because it requires faith to believe those things. And, you know, I just watched a movie called um, The Apostle Paul. And if, if, um, if you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it. And, and Paul is speaking to this guy and, um, in, the, in the movie, and he says, you know, the length of a man's life, the, the reality of a man's life is as if he stuck his hand in the ocean and picked up just a handful of water, and it leaks out of his hand and becomes nothing so fast, right? Yeah. But what we live for on this side of earth and what we walk out, the things that we walk on this side of the earth are to gain the entire endless ocean. That's the kingdom of God. It's endless. We have no idea. We can't comprehend it. But if you grasp our lives, our lives are fleeting. There's, I, I remember thinking I'd never be in my 30s or 40s or 50s. It's going to take forever. And all of a sudden, I'm 34, and I'm remembering my, these moments. My dad would say, like, you're going to realize one day, you're going to realize one day, and then it just it's there. And it's so fleeting, and it's that the enemy would love for all, any of you that may be listening to this, he would love to take you out with a loss. And it is a bummer. It is heartbreaking. I watched my wife cry countless tears. But then I look at my wife now, and my life too, we're seeing 
hundreds of people's of li- hundreds of lives changed and redeemed and and walked out in holiness and discipled and and people saved we're seeing people saved and and if we would have sat in the in that sadness and never received the comforting of the lord we wouldn't be walking out what we're walking out right now be, I'm, I, I kid you not hundreds of people are meeting jesus because of us stepping into obedience and that's through the excuse me through the multiplication of things that we're doing the um it's it's so unreal but if if there's anything the enemy would want to do through something as sad as miscarriage or something as even worse as I say even worse, and it's not even worse to the mother that just had a miscarriage, but if you've lost a two-year-old or a 10-year-old, the enemy would long to get someone to shut up about the gospel, long to get someone to shut up about breakthrough because of the loss. Because the reality is, if our children know Jesus, and if we trust what the Bible says, they're with him for all eternity. And the second that they pass means that's the second that we have no control. And in fact, we don't have a ton of control before that. Yeah. And so the reality is I have five kids, 13 and younger, and I have, you know, I, I do have some control because I'm their father. I'm guiding them the way they should go. But even now with a 13-year-old, I'm realizing, wow, oh, man, I would make such different decisions for her. But she's also, I, I, I've got to cover her and not control her all the time because mm-hmm. it's the father's joy is to cover his children. So that's what I would say. It is horribly heartbreaking and horribly um, devastating would even be a better word, not just heartbreaking. But the enemy would long for you to, be, to remain in the devastation and long for you to, to question the lack of his goodness um, in order for you to never have that breakthrough so you never actually step into the breakthrough that you need to walk out to give somebody else the breakthrough. And so that's what I would say. And even more so, I mean, after we lost that, the last one, which was just about four years ago, we prayed again. We're like, Lord, this sucks. Like, I'll be honest. Like, we're, I'm, I'm serious again before him. I'm like, this, this, is, this sucks. Yeah. We've lost three babies. We're not going to have any more kids. Mm-hmm. And Shannon has a dream. And um, in the dream, she, I, was, I was walking with another baby. Um, and so we pray, and, and uh, we felt like the Lord was going to give us a son. And so we're like, we'll do it. You know, we, want, we just want to be obedient. And because um, obedience is greater than sacrifice, and having kids is a sacrifice. But obedience is more awesome. And um, that's in the Bible, by the way. I don't remember the exact reference, <laughs> but you can all look it up. But uh, he, uh, so we, she gets, sh- she's pregnant, and we're just, you know, the, the nine months just is coming. It's fast for me, but it's slow for her. And um, she goes into labor. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have another son because I'd already had Brave and I'm stoked. And then this little girl pops out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember I'm standing right by my wife and she's, you know, in labor and I'm excited. Yeah, because it is exciting. I don't, know, I don't know what's coming. You know, I don't know if it's a boy or girl. And I'm, I'm so, it's like actually probably the wildest rush I've ever felt, not knowing what baby, what gender it is. And this little girl pops out. I remember like throwing my head back in excitement, but in shock, like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. My wife was like, I'm so sorry. Like, no, no, you couldn't control it. I mean, that's not what I was saying. I was so excited. And so we didn't have a girl's name. Hmm. We had the name Mighty. We were going to name our son Mighty. Um, I don't remember the middle name we had. And so we started praying. We're holding this little girl in the, in the, uh, uh, in the room after. And Lord, what is her name? And Lord began to speak to us. He's like, I gave you the name Mighty. And 
you know, and, and Shannon thought it was a boy in the dream. And I don't know, maybe it was, maybe we'll have another kid. Who knows? But, uh, um, we named this little girl Mighty Evangeline Ryder. She'd be a mighty carrier of the gospel. And, uh, and I kid you not, she's two and a half now, and she literally uh, runs our family. It's mm-hmm. wild how a two and a half year old can shift um, the dynamics of a family. And it's all good shifts. It's joy. It's laughter. It's, uh, you know, there are some moments where like you, this girl, I mean, she's just, she's nonstop. But we look at her, and she's got really short, curly hair. We don't know. I mean, none of our other kids have curly hair. She's got. She's really short and stocky, uh, and she just runs around the house, just just owning everything and making these funny little. You know, it's just we look at it. And we could have not had her mm. out of fear, yeah, because we had already lost another baby, mm. and now we we have five kids. We're actually praying about having another one. We want to be in obedience, um, and and. You know, I it, it would it would make sense to not, but then neither one of us want to live without. Reg- we don't want to live with regret. You know, we we want to truly be in obedience. It would be a ton of sacrifice too. But yeah, so that's all that to say. You know, we wouldn't have three of the kids that we have if we would have made some decisions out of fear to not have kids, or it just hurt so much I couldn't go through it again. And I just think about the reality of, you know, God sent His only Son to die for all of us, and so many of us would actually not choose him. I mean, there's billions of people around the world right now that aren't choosing him. Yeah. And, 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 and the Father sent his only son for a bunch of people that would, may or may not choose him. Yeah. And, and he's, not, he's not filled with regret about it. And, of course, we didn't choose to lose our children, but we wouldn't have the three that we do have if we would have chosen to, to, to remain in that pain. Yeah. And that disappointment. And so, you know, anyways, I, I, that was all. I wasn't expecting to share any of that. But that's like, <laughs> that's when I think about my life, when I think about how people's lives are impacted by my wife and I, it's usually from them being around us, seeing that our lives are chaotic, seeing that, you know, most of my time, my, you know, with the Lord, it has a, a kid. I have a kid in my lap while reading the Bible. And when I'm in, when I'm praying, I, I probably have a kid on my arms, fall, you know, falling asleep on my shoulders or, you know, these, the, the, my relationship with the Lord is, is, is actually becoming more like the father because I'm having to be a father. And, um, you know, and so when people come into Kona and, and into Respect the Corners and into my, you know, the ministry my wife leads called uh, Brave Love, they're, they're most impacted by the fact that, that we've just overcome. Mm-hmm. We chose to, to not remain and we overcame. And there was a season in our life where I had to, re- I had to confess and repent for um, lust and pornography in my marriage. And my wife looks at me and heartbroken. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says in Matthew 5 that if you lust upon a woman, it's adultery. He likens the action, I'm sorry, the, the thought, the, the viewing to the action. Mm-hmm. Jesus is so intense. He's so intense yeah. that he would actually liken my thought at looking at another woman that's not my wife. And lusting upon her, or over her, however you want to put it, he would liken that to the act of adultery. Hmm. So in essence, I had to repent to my wife for adultery. I've never physically cheated on her. But the Lord brought such a conviction, finally. I, I had so much hidden sin. And my wife looked at me and said, I forgive you. Yeah. And our marriage, not that there weren't moments where she, she was like, Blake, I'm having a hard day. Like I, 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 I need you just to remind me of your love, and I, 
And she's not asking me to say sorry again. She's not, she forgave me. And the reality is she's, she forgot the sin and the fact that, that I was a sinner. She, she wasn't looking at me as a sinner anymore. But I had to help rebuild her confidence. And ultimately, that came from the Lord, but it also be, it came from me being trustworthy. Yeah. And that had to be regained. You know, and, and it says in 1 Corinthians and, and that love always trusts. And my wife made an unbelievable statement in that over the course of the, the last couple of years, you know. And so, anyways, I know I was supposed to be talking about respect the corners, but... No, you're good, but man. This is this, where God took it. Roll with it. Um, I think I do want to get shift gears to that a little bit, but I want... I love the principle of not acting out of obedience and not acting out of fear and how really that's that's rooted so much of your life. Um, but yeah, I want to chat about... So if someone is interested in respect the corners, what does that look like for them? Let's say... Let's take... I know there's multiple tracks, right? Um, but what does that look like? Say someone who who they they feel called to ministry, they feel called to maybe the nations, uh, maybe they CrossFit's an avenue that they found. Like I know we were talking before this that one of the ways, one thing that I loved about CrossFit was it, I felt like it gave me a platform and an opportunity to speak in people's lives. Um, and so maybe they feel that, and they also feel maybe a call or a pull from God to ministry, and maybe this where those two things can <coughs> collide is respect the corners. And so yeah. one, like if that's something they want to get involved in, what would that look like? And two, maybe how do they even approach getting involved in that? Absolutely. So first off, um, our lives are meant to be called to ministry. Our, our, we're meant to be um, the the carriers of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. If you believe in Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, you're meant to multiply the you know, in, in Matthew 9, Jesus says, the, the harvest is right, but the laborers are f- few. Pray for laborers to go into the harvest. Mm-hmm. So we're called Jesus himself. Like we, we, we often forget about, you know, some of these really key things that Jesus said. And, and I, th- I believe that that's changing in America specifically. But, and then Matthew 28, he gives us the great commission to go into and disciple all nations. And then, um, you know, in Revelation, it says that it is for every tribe and tongue. The good news is Jesus is for every tribe. You know, even the the guy that was you know recently martyred out in the the islands off of uh, India. I can't remember the name of the islands, but that that the gospel is for those people. It's for every person. I don't. I don't. The Bible. I believe the Bible to be true, and so um, I know some people wouldn't agree with that. But the reality is, is 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 Jesus died for everybody that that lives on this earth since. And in, in the future, he's, he's died for all of them. But so anyways, I'd say that to start, that the reality is, is all of us are meant to be bearers of that. Mm-hmm. And in respect to the corners, the, the thing, and the corners, real fast, I forgot to mention this. Uh, yeah. our, we have four corners. Our f- corners are, are four uh, character, characteristics, attributes that Jesus never deviated from. And there's a bunch of sub-corners, if you want to call them that. Um, but the, our four corners, and this is when we prayed into it five years ago, the Lord spoke to us. It's faith, family, love, and integrity. These four things Jesus never deviated from. If he would have stepped out of integrity, then he would have, wouldn't have been the spotless lamb. If he wouldn't have loved, then he wouldn't have gone to the cross. If he didn't believe in uh, faith, then he wouldn't have done what his father told him to do. If he didn't believe in family, he wouldn't have brought in the 12. And there's, you know, he, he was joyful. He was, you know, pure. Well, all those different things, of course, but all of those things fall into those four, um, those four attributes. Um, and so the way somebody can get hooked up with uh, or connected with um, Respect the Corners is right now our main um, opportunity for this is our six-month discipleship training school, which is 
three month like Josh just did three month lecture phase, which you're coming in and you're getting this um, this amazing education on scriptural teaching, um, you know, plumb line messages. Who is the Holy Spirit? What has He done? Um, the Father Heart of God. Um, how to share the gospel? You know these these twelve weeks of basic follower of Christ principles and and necessities. And then, and then you're going into another nation for three months and implementing those. And that's your base because we're a part of YWAM. That's your basic entry point. And um, after that, we have um, opportunities for people to staff with us. And those are people that end up, you know, helping us multiply the vision where they come back and they staff these schools. But we're actually working on a few things right now. We're working on seminars that we would hold that would, you know, like yourself, for instance. I'll just use you as uh, as an example. Um. Um, where we would hold a uh, three- or four-day seminar where people could come and get the basic... It would almost be like a, a, a level one seminar where people come and they get um, the basic coaching tools. But the reality is is we, we wouldn't have to do any of that because everybody that would be coming to these seminars would be um, people that already have their level one. So they already have the coaching tools. Uh, but when it comes down to it, most Christians need some training on how to share the gospel. Yeah. Most people need some training on how to walk out freedom. Most people need some marriage training. Most people need. Most believers need a few of these practical things that um, would essentially help help somebody um, really be able to go into their you know CrossFit gym, their functional fitness gym, their whichever gym that they're part of, and be able to implement the Great Commission in that place. And then also would help us, um, you know, our desire is to continue to give people opportunity to get to the nations. So I think, there's, you know, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this, but I believe that there's at least a handful of people that are going to hear this and be like, wait a second, these guys use CrossFit to get to the nations? Yeah. Um, well, we we have coaches that are CrossFit coaches, and we do um, utilize that avenue, but we want to give people that are listening to this even an opportunity to, to become, uh, you know, Part of respect the respect the corners in terms of the attributes, in terms of the character, in terms of the real um, discipleship pieces, and be able to use that in their gyms. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of them even are like, "Wait a second, do you guys have open doors in another country?" I mean, we actually do, you know. Yeah. And it's just giving people that opportunity. So that's some stuff that's in the works. Um, but yeah, that's uh, and then you know, those would be the main ways right now that somebody yeah. could be a part of it, but. That's awesome. There's a few things that are changing in the near future. Hmm. Very cool. So they can just apply online for that, or how do you? Yeah, respectthecorners.org. Awesome. Respectthecorners.org. And that has a link that gets people to the um, the YWAM Kona page, and it gives that's where they would actually sign up for the DTS. But if you're curious about what respect, I mean, I don't know if I've done the best job of sharing what it is, but our, our website is is... Um, amazing, um, and it, it gives people a real clear um, pathway to be a part of it. Awesome, and we'll throw that in the notes oh, um, cool. so people can click on it and, and link it. What would your encouragement be to someone that maybe was on the fence about uh, doing something like that? Like I know it was something that uh, I was I was part of Josh's life while he was kind of praying that into existence, and um, I know that's something that it's, I mean, it's a big commitment, right? Yeah. So go get trained in this and then go overseas for... Uh, months of your life and really dive into that. So someone who's on the fence and maybe uh, they're not really sure if that's um, for them or not for them or they're praying in, maybe they feel like they're doing it, but they're operating out of fear and not obedience. And uh, what's your encouragement to people? 
Yeah, I I I want to encourage everybody that the Lord does speak. Mm-hmm. He, if you know Him, if you've given your life to Him, He He sent you. He sent you a helper. He sent. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, longing for you to walk out your, you know, your, His will over your life. And I would pray that most of us, if we have a passion, so often, if our passion has an opportunity to, to bring people to Him, so often He's going to use our passion, you know, because it's His will over our life. Mm-hmm. So you know, yours was sports, fitness, and 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 um, in the medical field. And now, you know, people could look at your Instagram and see that the Lord's using all these things mm-hmm. to, to influence people, to, I mean, to remove cataracts from somebody's eyes is such a practical way for somebody to not only just see, but to see the hands and feet of, of Jesus Christ on this earth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the most amazing things that somebody could do, and I mm-hmm. think it's ama- I th- I'm the biggest fan of that. So, um, but the, the real thing is, if there's any, if, if anyone's on the fence... What's your passion? What is, what is the Lord? What do you love doing? And the reality is, well, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Reality is, um, but um, with something like fitness, if you love fitness, and if you love discipling people, you love coaching people. If you believe the Great Commission, then something like this. It's you know when we look at the the big the span of life, six months is such a short amount of time. Yeah, such a short amount of time, and. It would be nothing. I mean, what somebody would give for university, six months of university, I mean, they, they wouldn't think twice about that. And this is an opportunity that gives you an unbelievable understanding of who the Lord is and what he's done, and then an opportunity to go and implement those things that you've learned in the lives of the lost around the nation. So I would just say, if you're passionate about something like fitness, if you're passionate about people, which you should be, because Jesus was, and we're supposed to be in his likeness, um, then there. The, there's just jump over the fence and come come join us. Awesome, that's awesome. And so after people are done, um, what are the avenues that they can take? Is there? Do you guys have like continuing tracks after the six months? Yeah. Or okay, yeah, yeah. So we we have just implemented. Um, um, sorry, this last year, I think it was uh, in October, we started a secondary. So so YWAM is a part of the University of the Nation, so you can get. Um, it's accredited. You can get uh, an associate's degree, and the the DTS is the 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 first part of that. And um, but we have a second level school called Revival and Reformation, and it's a a, um, a biblical core course. It's nine months, and three months is a biblical core course. The second three months is a worldview course, and the third three months is um, is a communications course. And every afternoon of those three months, the these these young men and women are coming in and receiving coaching training, coaching development. Who the guy who does all of our coaching development is a level th- CrossFit level three coach, and he's unbelievably qualified. Unbel- he's he, he at times I think he's overqualified. I'm just shocked by all the stuff that he does. I'm blown. I'm not. I mean, just so blessed that we have a guy like this that has his knowledge to be able to give people a practical. Um, um, gift, a practical tool to be able to influence people, reach people. But this, um, this is, a, uh, is an, uh, a track after the secondary school, after that six-month six um, uh, DTS. And then we also have uh, the opportunity to staff one of those DTSs where somebody would come back and join us for the three-month um, leadership track, which you're just getting your basic leadership tools, 
conflict resolution, um, how to do team finances, um, um, r- you know, these things that are needed for a leader, and then going in and, and, and staffing the Respect the Corners DTS. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, an, it's, it's I, I, I'm 34. I never, I went to school for two years, and then we all know the story, what happened there, but I've never seen leadership training like a leading a DTS does. And it gives it puts you in in another nation having to lead ten people to their their destination and walk out all these things that have to be walked out on these outreaches. And it's puts you into a, a, an opportunity to succeed and 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 even have the opportunity to make difficult decisions. And so that's an opportunity after the DTS. Those are a couple of opportunities. But then the ultimate Opportunity after would be to send some of these people into some of these closed nations. That yeah. I mean, CrossFit's blowing up around the world. Yeah, it's it's blowing up in China. It's blowing up all over the Middle East. It's now blowing up in 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 Brazil. And we're starting um, Respect the Corners Brazil. We're starting Respect the Corners Himalayas. We're starting Respect the Corners uh, in Europe and then in the Middle East. So there's unbelievable opportunities to go and. Um, do training and sending there, but then also be um, long-term missionaries in some of those places. That's awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. Well, sweet, Blake, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Quinn. Man. Hopefully, hey, guys, go check out Respect the Corner, especially if it's something, man, if you feel like God's tugging on your heart to go. uh, Just an amazing opportunity. I know my buddy Josh had such a great time. He's thinking about staffing, as we said. Um, But, yeah, so, guys, go check it out, respectthecorners.org. Is that what you said? I think it's respectthecorners.com. Dot com. Respectthecorners.com. If it's not dot com, it's dot org. We'll figure it out, <laughs> and we will link it below. <laughs> and when I do the closing for this episode, I'll get it right. It's dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Go with that. But hey, thanks so much, Blake. Thanks, Appreciate Quinn. it, man. Yeah, blessing. Hey, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. If you're one of those people that Blake talked about where you're not really sure where you're heading right now, but you have a passion for God, and man, you have a fire for fitness and faith and fitness really why not check it out why not pray about it why not maybe take the opportunity to go in and look a little deeper at respect the corners you can shoot me an email we can get you in contact with blake just uh let us know keep us in the loop pray about it help let us pray for it whatever it may be i got a close friend as was mentioned in the podcast one of my college roommates went and did it and uh, it completely changed the course of some of the stuff that he wants to do with his life and so what they're doing over there is amazing we're in full support of them at humble daily and so if we can help in any way with you making those plans or getting in contact please let us know Hey, guys, don't forget to check out Cody Coffee. Uh, that's CodyCoffee.com. Use the code KNOWN to get 25% off of your new favorite coffee. We're so appreciative of you guys. I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Sorry that this is launching on a Tuesday. We had a lot going on. We're like, you know what? Let's let everyone just enjoy Memorial Day with their family and friends. And so, hey, we love you guys. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for letting us do what we do. Uh, if there's anything we can do better, if we can support you better in any way, if there's any way or any feedback that you guys could give to us on how we can excel better and pursue excellence and honor in what we're doing please let us know we love feedback don't forget to leave a rating or a review itunes really likes that we really like it and it helps us out helps us get the message to other people thank you guys so much we love you thank you have a great week music is intersection by dj quads that's intersection by dj quads check them out on youtube dj q u a d s